0: Hello everybody, today is going to be just an amazing conversation for those of you that have experienced child abuse, Uh, I'm sorry, childhood abuse, child abuse in your childhood, obviously it sounds so redundant and crazy but I want to be as clear as I can be and then also here you are as an adult still kind of working through all those sorts of things, I hate to say it but I really think that lifelong childhood issues come into our lives and it is the rest of our lives that we spend kind of growing and grooming out of those complications and taking advantage of the good parts, too, to help us explore this on a very deep level with lots of wonderful tools to help you. The, I have Mary O'Malley. Uh, hi, Mary. Good morning. How are you?
1: Good morning. I'm fine. Happy Fourth of July.
0: Oh, yes, that's right. Although a lot of listeners will be listening to this at other times, but that is the day, 2018. 2018. Um, You know, Mary, I'm also going to have you see if you could possibly join us on Facebook so so people can also see your beautiful expressions. Mary is a -a one-of-a-kind teacher. She teaches from the heart, from her intelligence, from her experience, from her truth. And you will find that in this discussion, a level of authenticity that we all need. We all absolutely need it. And I'm going to hopefully be able to get her also on the Facebook programming on this so you can see that well interact with us on the facebook too okay so mary while you're finagling around trying to get yourself on the facebook connection as well join the conversation if you can do two tasks at once (laughs) and let us know what your interest in childhood abuse and recovering as an adult has been what where did this all germinate from for you well it's
1: it's really interesting because my mom recently passed away, so I can finally talk about some things out loud or in in public. Mm. Um, you know basically, I grew up in a home where alcohol was uh the go-to for just about everything and um y- you know in 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 all aspects of my family life, uh, alcohol mm. was involved in one way or another and and so you know if you're drinking. You know, it seemed to me like my mom was either drinking, getting drunk or hungover. You, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so they're not really there for you. You know, and my uh, my brother and I talked about it and we basically raised ourselves. Yeah. So, um but you know, that's not untypical, you know, but the thing that happened is my mom wasn't aware when my stepfather started trying to abuse me and
0: you know, mm. things
1: like that. It was just easy to just look the other way. And so, you know, not ever feeling safe, um, you know, from the time I was, you know, 10 or so, not ever feeling safe at home is, you know, it's just a constant stress to try to grow up with.
0: Oh, yeah, no kidding. And of course,
1: of course, I reacted. (laughs) I got in a little trouble myself.
0: (laughs) So. You um, You laugh when you say that. Are you amused by yourself in that regard, or.?
1: I. You know, sad for myself and amused, Mm -hmm. you know, at at the same time how um, it's all about feeling powerless and getting to a point where you feel like you're regaining your power. Mm -hmm. So as a teenager, it's it's not unusual in that situation for a teenager to gain their power by going against the rules, by, you know, doing something that is not good for them or really anybody else. So so it's, a, it's laughing at the typical response, but not laughing because the response came from that place of powerlessness and mm-hmm. wanting to feel like I have the power in my life again.
0: I'm glad you explained that that might have been one reason why you actually kind of, I don't know, in my field we call it acting out. We act out the things inside of us and that you acted it out in order to gain a sense of power, a sense of control, a sense of self-definition.
1: Absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. So now you are an adult and you have been helping so many individuals as an adult work tremendous issues through for years, for decades. And you are notably still progressing and evolving in every aspect of your life. I know that because I know you. How is this particular part of your past now evolving with the passing of your mom.
1: Well, I don't know. I I guess I do know. I was reflecting on that last night about mm-hmm. secrets. And mm-hmm. in you know, our our good Irish family, you just you didn't tell secrets. Everything was a secret. You mm-hmm. um just didn't talk about things. Yeah. So I I don't have to be the keeper of secrets any longer. Because all those people that were involved that I needed to keep secrets about aren't here anymore. And so there's this sense of freedom of not having to carry that burden. Um, Hmm. and, And I didn't even realize that until my mom actually was gone. I didn't realize I'd been carrying a burden until suddenly that burden lifted. And it was like, wow, what's that? And that's what it was.
0: Wow. So uh, Mary, I'm just going to ask to see if you can join us on Facebook so I can actually get people to see and hear what it is you're having to say. I see your your information there. I would love for everybody on the radio show to also be able to join you. If we can't do that, we'll just drop it uh, because I don't want to interrupt this program right at the right. This is going to be too important. What do you think?
1: I I'm not sure how this works. I think you have to send me an invitation to... Um, be with you on this. I, I don't know how to get on with you.
0: Okay, so I'm going to invite you. Did you get that invitation? Sorry, folks. <laughs> we are Okay. Are you so there? I just,
1: I just click on it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Whenever I do this, otherwise it happens quite differently, more organically. So this is having to be an effort here. Sorry about that.
1: Yes. I'm here, and now how do I, let's
0: see, turn, I have no idea. Oh, gosh, folks, I'm going to edit this out of the Ultimate Program, but we definitely want to get Mary on here.
1: It's very interesting because I'm getting the Facebook from you, and I'm getting Mm -hmm. the blog talk from you, so I'm actually getting two conversations.
0: Yes. Ah. Well, folks, while we're trying to figure a little bit of this out, I just don't want to take too much more time. We may just isolate ourselves over to the blog. All those wonderful people who have joined us on Facebook, I do ask you. I'm going to put the link of where we are currently talking uh, about this particular program so that you would be able to join us because this is going to be really, really important information. Um, And we will see what we can do. No, we don't want to do that. (laughs) There we go. Okay. Well, Mary, what do you think?
1: Okay. Uh, so we're going back to the blog?
0: I don't know. Can you get on? I, I've i done all that I know to do here. Okay. I'm
1: going to actually turn off my Facebook.
0: Okay. I'm going to
1: actually turn off my Facebook right now.
0: We're okay. switching over to blog, right? Blog talk. Okay, let's just do blog. Okay, very good. For those of you that are actually listening on Facebook, I'll continue to do that. But you're going to be able to hear Mary uh, over on the blog. So thanks for joining us. And we're going to go to the blog. We just really don't want to take any more of our valuable time, nor yours as a listener to try to work oh. out the glitches of another media source. Mary, you know, you, you mentioned that the secrets that your family wants to be kept, everybody wants to pretend to be okay. This is really true, no matter what your economic or background is, what your profile is in the public view, what your, it, 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 or, or how unknown anybody is. Everybody wants to pretend that what goes on inside the family doesn't go on outside. It's just It's mm-hmm. just such a pretense. But now you're faced with the idea of, do you want people to know? Because maybe you've developed your own sense of boundaries and privacies that keep you kind of uh, having an allegiance to that sense of protection or that sense of uh, privacy. How do you feel about that?
1: Uh, that's absolutely right. Um, you're right. I would hesitate to go public with a lot of things. Uh, hmm just in honor of my family. However, I do not hesitate to bring it up as a source of contemplation or mm-hmm. or uh, connection when I'm working with a client. Right. And in, in, in that case, I'm upfront and honest, and uh, I think it's important, you know, when you're connecting with someone, if you've had the same experience or similar experience, it doesn't mean you react the same way they did or you can understand mm-hmm. completely Mm-hmm. but it is important to establish that comradeship i think mm-hmm. um so if and when it's appropriate i i will i'll share that part of me uh the other thing is i'm going to be open here i I've, I've been in thank you. Uh, recovery from from alcoholism for just this is my 30th year now ah, congratulations. and that's one thank you but that's one thing they taught yeah. us in the 12 step meeting is you're only as sick as your secrets and, yeah. and and you know, in a lot of ways, it's true. It, it's And it's not even about everybody needs to know your secrets. It's about you need to take that information out of the dark and put it into the light so that you can mm. see it more clearly. So, yes. so that's, that's important. That's important.
0: Okay. So in light of that, I know that this is going to go very public. This is going to be shared with people that are part of the recovery program called Paths to Recovery After Abuse and Trauma. And this is going to be reaching out uh, within September. It is launched. Mary, you're going to be part of it. You're going to be having the opportunity to talk to so many individuals who are flummoxed by what they went through, what they're suddenly remembering that they didn't remember before. They, too, have been kept in the dark. They, too, don't know what other people know. They, too, feel ashamed of revealing what they have gone through, help us heal that experience of shame for what someone else has done to us. See, someone mm-hmm. else has done it to us. Why do we feel ashamed that someone else did it?
1: You know, this is especially difficult when things, um, when the abuse happens in childhood. Because we don't have a reference for who's responsible for this abuse. And quite simply, our first thought is, what did I do? You know, what could I yeah. have done differently? What did I do? Um, I don't know what I did wrong. We know inherently that we don't deserve this behavior, whether it's the words or physical or, or whatever it is. But we also don't know what we did wrong. And Mm -hmm. so there's the shame is in I'm a bad person and I don't even know it. I don't know how to correct it. I don't, I just don't know what's wrong with me. Something's Mm -hmm. wrong with me. So, you know, how do how do you combat that as an adult? You can say, well, that person is more responsible for their behavior. But as a child, when your first impression is you're responsible for something and and you don't know how to fix it, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, That original programming, and so that tape will, you know, keep keep on going, or that um, CD or MP3 or (laughs) whatever was created, will will keep on going in uh, in the background, whether we know it or not.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, I think that I wanted to interesting
1: what you Mm -hmm. say about uh, as we're getting older, as I'm getting older, uh, memories are coming up. I think it's more about the healing process for me at this point. and And mm-hmm. maybe for other people, we remember things. We finally get to see them from a different point of view. Um, but, uh, you know, still and all, it's always there. I've done so much work on it. And every now and then something new pops up. You know, And mm-hmm. it's about, once again, it always comes down to, you know, what is my responsibility? What did I do wrong? Why did I deserve that? I must be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the sense of powerlessness that comes with it. It's mm-hmm. one thing if you, you know, broke the, the expensive vase in the living room because you were playing around and you know what you did wrong. You know, you're, right. you're clear. You can take your punishment, whatever it is. You know you deserved it. But when you're taking punishment for something that you have no idea what what that's about or what you did wrong. You know, and of course, as a young person, we're just coming from our own point of view. So I think that's what people need to understand. Um, these these moments, these traumas, and they're imprinted upon us and they become the, the program, if you will, the computer program from which we run later on in life. So we just need to become aware of it to be able to take our power back and, and do something about it. And once again, we can only do something about ourselves. We can't do anything about them. They are, you know, we don't have control over that. But we do have control over the way we react to things.
0: Mm -hmm. So the experience of shame in my mind is, you know, completely unwarranted. Does that make sense? It's like it's an emotional experience. It's odd because it isn't really warranted. And yet guilt and shame that's not warranted still has the same emotional imprint of it's persuasive. Oh, there's something wrong. I've done something wrong. I, I'm a bad person. I'm. An, I need to hide. I need to be ashamed and embarrassed. So even though it, it doesn't make sense, it's not logical. It's it's unwarranted. It's not your shame. It's not your guilt. It's another person's shame and guilt. Nonetheless, it's something that becomes really convincing. It's an internal lie that kind of takes hold. It's it's a it's a difficult one to to dialogue with because. It's so convincing. It's such a strong set of experiences to have shame and guilt. What do you think about that?
1: I think you're you're absolutely right. It is so convincing. You know, there's no other way to say that. Uh, you know, it to be a lie in the moment. You, you you know you don't you know you don't deserve it. Yet, it continues to happen. So maybe you do deserve it, and it's just one of those insidious things that. That creeps in there like an infection. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's, um, and then it, it, like a cancer, it just continues to spread and start affecting you in all areas.
0: Mm-hmm. When I work with parents, because I do a lot of work with parents, um, I'm always struck, uh, really, very often, even with my own parenting, um, I'm always struck that we as parents forget that our children are really not programmed walking into this world with much. Much anticipated thought. They're pretty much programmed. I'm not, I'm not saying there's not something that they come in here with, but we are all as children programmed to be open tabula rasa We're we're open to being programmed. So if we're told you're so bad, there's a part of us that takes it as bold-faced truth and embodies. I'm so bad. Oh, okay, that's a decree. And we know as hypnotherapists, Mary, that those type of decrees are something that the unconscious kind of wants to cooperate with. We cooperate with what someone else declares as truth. You're so bad. You deserve this. You take this. Don't tell anybody. I'm going to hurt someone. If you do, it's going to be your fault. You know, all these, we just believe them. And we forget that people lie to us as children because we're so gullible, suggestible. We are, we believe, we believe and in that process of believing there's so much that can slip in that becomes convincing so that the adult life you kind of begin to say wait a minute i was lied to i was lied to about this i was lied to about that i was i was told this i was convinced this all of that just bad material lies misinformation dump, i was a dumping ground for someone else's junk so in the process of extracting those imp- those penetrating suggestions, those penetrating, quote unquote truths that we gullibly take in as a child. How do we extract those things? What are some tools that you've found that have helped people yank those lies out of themselves and heal?
1: So, uh, pretty much, I started that path with hypnotherapy. Um, it was easy to go in go back to a traumatic moment and change the perspective, maybe even change the story to one of empowerment. Um, often the, the uh, higher conscious mind will talk, will give us information um, about the situation that we didn't have when we were younger mm-hmm. to help resolve that. Uh, also, as I went on, I worked with some energy therapies, uh, particularly emotional freedom technique which um, helped me quite a bit. Taking the, you know, those traumas come up and they just, it, it's like they just keep want to keep wanting to grab us. And
0: mm-hmm. then
1: recently, uh, I've been, um, I was in a really bad place last fall, mm-hmm. and kind of praying and wondering if I needed a shaman to help me find some missing pieces of my soul. And I was really mm-hmm. praying on that, and, and Spirit told me, no, um, it's really quite easy. You just ask for them back. And mm-hmm. took me through mm-hmm. this whole process that I've been using for myself and my clients, which has been very empowering, And just an, uh, a simple energy exchange. And that was really interesting where I asked for things back, like the pieces of my soul that contained, for instance, my innocence. And what I mean about innocence is is, is that, that place where I knew that I was just a beautiful being, you know what I mean? Where, where anything was possible for me, Um, you know, uh, a sense of self-worth or how I deal with money, you know, things like that, those pieces that were missing from me, allowing me to be whole. And so in asking for those back, um, spirit told me that we also pick up things from other people to get balance in that energy that don't belong, it doesn't belong to us. So giving that back, so it's really a pretty simple procedure. Um, but so things like that have been helping me a lot along the way, um, and some of it's just time. You know, they time heals. It really does heal. Uh, and giving me some insight as to decisions I made when I was younger, where those came from, and you know, now that I'm older, making better decisions. Some of that, Carol, we know is just life on life's terms. That happens as we we age. Hopefully, we become wiser. But, um, you know, I've never stopped working on myself. And it's not that this is, you know, something you need to do all the time. But those moments that when you need to pay attention will come into your life. If something's going very wrong, if you're not getting what you need or if you're experiencing uh, relationship issues or other traumas, that's the time to stop and take a look. Maybe something is coming up. So, But I started with the hypnotherapy. I love hypnotherapy. I think it's one of the most positive, powerful, loving modalities I've ever run across. And um, We contain all the answers, and that's the premise of hypnotherapy is I have my own answers. And so helping a person to feel safe going into that place and finding their own answers is is really just kind of a remarkable feat, I think. <laughs> um, and so a lot of the work is about that. And once again, just getting back to the basic, let's take it out of the dark, put it into the light and see what it looks like in the light and, and see more truth that way.
0: So if we were to kind of demonstrate to individuals some of those tools which ones can we can we do like a, um, a miniature hypnosis or hypno hypnagogic kind of experience and then an eft kind of experience and then also the beauty of soul retrieval and soul rest- extraction so that individuals can begin to understand these abstract tools that we've just laid out beautifully you've You've introduced their importance so well, as well as you went through the twelve-step program as well. So, you know, those are. Can you? So I'm giving you kind of a pause here to say, can can we do this? Because I think that would be really helpful. What do you think?
1: So the soul retrieval is somewhat hypnagogic in itself. So I think you uh, having that experience would be uh, pretty simple and easy for everyone to follow along. Um, Okay. Uh, so I'm just trying to decide where to start. What's a good concept to start with? The innocence, a sense of, uh, self-worth or, um, worthiness worthiness is one that usually comes up with my, with myself and, and with every single one of my clients. (laughs) Yeah. Not that I'm laughing at them, you know, hopefully I'm laughing with them. It just seems like it's that same concept. It comes up over and over again. So. So just kind of mm-hmm. close your eyes and relax and, and let yourself feel a little drifty. And simply ask yourself who took the part who has the part of your soul that contains yourself of your your sense of worthiness. And then notice who pops into your mind. It might be a person, it might be an incident that pops into your mind. And it might be a whole bunch of of people or incidents, so just narrow it down to one. And imagine, say, uh, if it's your mother or father or whoever it is, imagine them in front of you and ask for the piece of your soul that they have that contains your sense of worthiness. And expect to receive it. When you're asking for that back, Spirit told me they have to give it back to you. So as you're having that experience, for me, I feel it energetically and I generally feel it coming into a part of my body that more than 90% of the time I can associate with a chakra. Right now, I'm having that sense come into my heart chakra, that energy. But some people may experience it as a vibration or a color, a sound, or they may not experience it at all. But just know that it is happening because you you asked for that piece of your soul that contains your sense of worthiness and received it back.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. So I'm going to share a little bit about... Oh, go ahead. ahead.
1: There's a second part to it.
0: Okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Apparently,
1: there needs to be balance in these energies, even in our soul energy. So when we... When a part of our soul splits off in the process of a trauma or whatever, we tend to pick up whatever's available to balance that. So what I want you to do now is anything you may have picked up from that person that doesn't belong to you but belongs to them, I return that to them now. And see if you notice how they receive it. And in all of this, the relief I have felt of giving back people those pieces of themselves has just been incredible. So, Carol, wow. how did
0: you experience that? Yeah, I was so excited. gonna say, "Okay, so I, so it, so I, I." Oh, so. When you said self-worth, I actually went to a sense of uh, a, an aspect of self-worth. And so I think that I'd like to just say there's like these many, many aspects of who we are. So I found an aspect of my self-worth that 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 I wanted to uh, get in touch with. I felt like I'd lost, I immediately knew who it was. I remember the time when it occurred when I was an infant, to be quite honest with you. And I also... Um, I also saw that it had been trashed. And so the symbolism was that it had been thrown into the trash can and that I had been led to the trash can to find it, to pull out and say, oh, here it is. Oh, we don't want this trash. This is too valuable. <laughs> I'm saying this as a person that discovers it and looking at the person saying, I, you know, I get, I get your insecurity and why you did this. I totally do. Um, but that was not a cool thing to do. And I'm going to take this back because I really need and want this part of me back. And oh, by the way, here's your part back. But I didn't want to give that, that back because actually that was not a really pleasant part to give back to them. And that's an issue that they didn't want to have to face. That uh, that really was the truth behind why they, they stole from me my, my self-worth. I can be more specific than that, but is that kind of a general enough statement that gives people a feel, I'm wondering? Yeah,
1: you know, and, and I want to say something about that. And of course, you know, we want, we're kind people and we want to help people and we want to protect them, but it doesn't help them to not be able to acknowledge what it is they need to transform on their own, which mm-hmm. is something I had to ask Spirit about too, because I was like, well, I don't want to give them this stuff. Like well, you can't do anything. Only they can do any something with it. Mm -hmm. So it's actually more precious to give it back to them um, on that level. Or sometimes I will give it to their guardian angel. Imagine giving it to their guardian angel. To you know, when it's it's really hard for me to do that. But it's really interesting. Sometimes it's just been really vague, just sort of an energy exchange. And sometimes it's been a specific incident. but always I come away with uh, this feeling of wholeness. One thing I can say throughout this process is I did a lot of uh, emotional freedom technique, EFT, on traumas in my life. And in doing this energy exchange, this soul retrieval, I had to revisit those. And what I found was the EFT had taken the energy, the traumatic energy off of the situation but left me with a feeling of numbness to where I wasn't uh, feeling uh, anything. Uh, so in revisiting and doing the, the soul uh, retrieval, soul exchange, I was able to once again have feelings, but they uh, were healthy. They made sense. They, um, it, it So the EFT, while I loved it and it really helped me quite a bit, what I did find is that in a lot of ways it made me numb. And I hear people say that sometimes about medication they're taking. And and through this process, I've gotten my own real true feelings back. And it's been very safe and felt very good and very empowering. Hmm.
0: It's, a, it, it's a, an important part of, of coming back to your own emotional life because I find that a lot of people who have survived, they have endured and they've survived and they've escaped. That's my, my motto. They're amazing people. We are amazing people for enduring, mm-hmm. surviving, and escaping abuse, you know. But at the same time, we need to pull a lot of ourselves out of that fire. We have to go back and rescue because there's damage there and there's bits of us there screaming for us to get it out from under the rubble. And yeah. in in the process of getting it under the rubble, you know, we we may have to be unemotional. We may need to feel depersonalized and detached, associated, just to be brave enough to go back there and try to pull ourselves out of that rubble. So I kind of get the the need to be objectified in order to do really nasty hard work. At one point or another though, it becomes really important to reintegrate emotional life because that's part of your connection, your emotional connection with yourself mm-hmm. where you want to know what it's like to feel guilty because there's sometimes you do things you feel guilty. You should feel guilty for, you know, right, it's like authentic exactly. guilt or you want to feel love and not have that cooped up and all that fear of, oh, I'm never going to love again. Cause look what crap comes down the pack when I love, you know, or I want to feel fear because fear can give you information of when that red flag goes up and to stay away from that person or I want to mm-hmm. feel joy, or I want to feel happiness, or I want to feel carefree, or I want to feel. But in order to be able to feel, you have to bring those back to life. And so when you say that you that numbness had to be replaced with invigorating your emotional life, that is a relationship inside ourselves that's so, you know, humanly beautiful. What would you add?
1: I uh, mostly what I want to add, and, and maybe it'll sound funny to some people, but some people will get it, how safe it was to get my feelings back, how, mm. how they came back in this absolutely delicious way that was so empowering. Oh. Mm-hmm. So not only had the trauma been visited, relieved, transformed, but this wholeness in my emotional health, it was, it was just incredible it was just incredible it just felt so right like puzzle pieces were falling back into place hmm. and especially <clears throat> I just went through this journey of of you know basically helping my mom going through the dying process and right was with her for a couple of months in, in this very intense situation and being able to be there not reacting to her from my place of childhood but as a grown woman to a grown woman and helping them through a difficult process was the most freeing experience and I could have my feelings, I could cry when I needed to cry, I could rage when I needed to rage. I could be present and accounted for every moment of that. And it wow. was it was just this, you know, difficult but beautiful and healing experience all at the same time. Wow.
0: Sorry for your loss, and I'm so excited for your gain. It's, uh,
1: it's you. two sides <laughs> to,
0: yeah. So, the, the, the you know, I wasn't able to tell the details of my, my soul retrieval as you directed it, because that person is alive. Mm, I doubt if they'll ever listen to this, but that person is alive. And I, and I didn't notice that while the experience was very rich inside of me, I was timid, even in my relationship with myself in approaching it because that person is not alive. So in your relationship with yourself over these things, have you become more brazen, more bold, more declaring of your truths, of your experiences, of your insights, now that there's no one else out there to contradict or call you a liar or try to ignore you or try to minimize you or or whatever your experience was? Because I'm kind of speaking to the whole audience here, not necessarily just to you, Mary, Mm-hmm. What, what's it like in this relationship with you when it's just all you now? I mean, you're really left alone with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have been more uh, telling my truth. Now, I want to say I, I ran into some um, emotional headbutting with my brother through this process, which, of course, you know, would be normal in any family but yeah. i was able to clearly stand and say exactly how i felt i didn't have to pussyfoot around with what was going on and when i was able to clearly state what was going on with me and how i felt it, the the energy was able to change
0: my huh. brother
1: was able to hear me um i nice. was able to, i was able to hear me mm. and it and it was just uh, it was beautiful even in in even if it was an emotionally difficult moment the healing that you know came through that and the love between me and my brother and and and, and understanding in that moment was was just really beautiful had i wow. still been dumb so to speak i don't think i would have been able to speak my truth with the with the um true emotion behind it because, you know, there's so many, there's, communication isn't just what we say. There's an energy that comes with communication. And mm-hmm. so I think the the absolute truth in that energy that was coming through was an even bigger part of the communication and understanding process than the words I was saying. Mm-hmm. And, and it felt true, and it felt right, and it felt good, and it felt precious, and in the end, that was the way it was received and that was the way it was dealt with. So mm. how cool is that?
0: I'm twenty one years mm. old, you know, to
1: just be feeling this for the first time in my life
0: is mm. just amazing. You know, we, we we look at that 60-year-old Mark, we think we should have had it all together. <laughs> no way. <laughs> you know, you, 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 I just want to take one aspect of all that wisdom you just shared with us and go to the impact on relationships in our current life as adults that the childhood abuse has. And there's so many dimensions to it, but you mentioned that you could hear yourself while you were talking to your brother and your brother could hear you too. And I know that in a lot of the working through of the childhood process is the need to be seen understood, believed, heard, valued, honored, and emotionally connected to. You know, I could go down a list, but there's seven. And those feelings about having been abused, somewhere you take it into your future, no matter how old you are, and you say with this tray of of desires, please hear me, see me, feel me, know me, trust me, believe me. Uh, know how horrible this was, confirm it with me, validate that for me. And so our future relationships become kind of entangled in that yearning. It, because a person that we may hand that tray of needs to may look at and say, you know, what's this? I don't get it. I don't know, you know, because they weren't there. Or maybe that's not their drama or their story or their history. And maybe we take it to someone who does understand child abuse and they go, I totally get it. Or we take it to someone who understands child abuse and we go, oh, yeah, but you should hear my mind's much worse. You know, it's like all these different ways that we can take that uh, that need to have it seen and heard and have it thrown back in our face or discounted or not understood or devalued. And then that affects our current relationship because we're bringing past needs into the present. And there's confusion because that other person doesn't get it for whatever other reasons. I think that's one reason the value of a therapist that gets it, you know, because not all therapists get it. I don't get every single thing that people are trying to tell me as a therapist. I work really hard at it. I want to, but it doesn't mean I get it all. But when you're in the presence of a therapist who's working on getting it and they get it, there's something about that someone has seen it, heard it, understood it, validated it, freed you up from it. That also plays a big Gratian process. And um, my, my, my passion is that people wouldn't just think that all these quick fix therapies that are, you know, like the EMDR, the EFT, the hypnosis can be so good and such quick fixes, but they don't necessarily mean that you have this other experience where you can reintegrate your narrative because someone else is there present with you to witness it and to work it through with you. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, it was interesting
0: um
1: while you were talking I was asking myself what part of that was um uh, the most precious to me that you know being able to communicate and it was honestly me hearing myself. Yes. Uh being honest and being true and and seeking um you know here's my need And it was so true and honest, even if it hadn't been met, it was okay because I was clear on that need and I could now meet it. And if, if my brother in that situation had not been able to meet it, I still would know that I was empowered to meet that need on my own in a different way. So it was hearing myself and that perfect honesty and truth within myself coming out that I think um, stands out the most for me. It, it just ha- making my being able to meet my own needs in, in saying what I needed to say. Um, it it's so it's so empowering. It's so truthful. But you're right. And you know, even in the twelve twelve step programs, you know, there's a point where you sort of you know you find someone you can trust and you, and you talk about those things and, and they are witness to you and and that witnessing you know that's the person holding the mirror so you can see the truth as it radiates back to you and it, it is so um it, it it's so filled with love that process when that energy hmm. comes back it, and it it I don't know how else to explain that Carol but Having anyone witness your truth is is just this big love bomb, love ball. The 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 gentleness and the, and the feelings that come back around to you, the feeling of healing and purpose and and um, I guess gentleness is the word that just keeps coming up. Is well, is truly healing, even if the therapist doesn't understand. It doesn't matter. It's the act of witnessing. I think that is the 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 biggest part of the healing process. Does that make mm-hmm. sense?
0: Yeah, I think that what what I'd like to say on this is that we're talking about a lot of healing tools, and uh, I think all of these accumulate accumulate inside ourselves as part of the healing. So uh, whether one thing is bigger than the other at a particular moment, if it heals you big, it's big. <laughs> Whatever the tool <laughs> is, if it heals you big, it's big. If uh, if helping your mother pass over and doing the nitty gritty of changing a diaper of your mother is, is a healing. Then that's the healing. You know, there's, there, excuse me for getting so, so blunt there. That's what I went through with my mother and there's just something very, you know, whatever it is that creates a healing inside you, grab hold of it, take it, run with it, let it be yours paths to recovery are so many so varied and they'll come up in a flash of a second or in a long duration of any sort of technique or tool and that's part of what you're revealing to me as you're talking who would have known that you sharing with your brother gaining your own sense of clarity would have been such a healing moment for you Uh, who who, who would have said go do that but instead that's what yeah instead you were present to allow that to create that inside you
1: yeah, and and I believe that our, our higher consciousness, uh, however you want to define that, your connection to the highest part of you, creates these opportunities for us to have these healing moments. It's not like you have to go look for them. They're right in front of you on a daily basis. So, um, you know, being in that moment and being able to experience that moment all the way through from the sense of being uncomfortable and in pain to the sense of being empowered and healed in the moment was you know it's truly a gift hmm.
0: you know an image that comes to my mind is uh when 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 you're an adult you're in a big body right, and you don't really actually re- recognize that surrounding you are all these uh, ages of who you are these little the little you's. Mm-hmm. And, I, and surrounding you or inside you, but if for a moment people would just imagine that surrounding you, you have this class of like 30 yous, and they're all different ages. You know, teenage you, the 20-year-old you, the 3-year-old you, the baby you. My, my image was my baby, you know, in that previous meditation. So if you would just for a moment say, okay, now class, we're going to go live our day today. And all of you have amazing qualities and skills and experiences and wisdom to bring to the cluster of us, we are to, to the cluster of me. And also, you have things that need to be healed inside of you. So stay alert, class of 30 or class of three or one little child. Stay alert because as we go through this day, there's going to be healing moments. And I want you with me so that we can experience this healing together, so that in a sense you're 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 taking the cluster of who you are, calling them to the task of living life, and saying, "Here, let's go, let's really do this and 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 pay attention to when that love comes or when that that insight comes or when that that moment that you just feel that transforms everything comes, and that really is the call to order. Come on, everybody, let's go do this together." How <laughs> are you laughing?
1: Because that's exactly right. I mean, that's exactly right. And you know, you never know who's going to speak up on any given day. If it's the three-year-old or the fifteen-year-old, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Excuse me. Um. That's exactly right. But they all need to be heard, and they're all precious, and and, um, maybe want to relearn a lesson. You know, at, at that point that you know wasn't. Um, Comfortably learned when you were 15 or or whatever, but they're all with you and they're all precious and they all are deserving and they all are worthy to be heard from and their Mm -hmm. needs met. So they, they will speak up, you know, whether you're allowing them or not, they, they will find their ways to uh, be heard at some point. So it's Mm kind of cool. Uh, You know, once again, it's, you know, not every day is full of issues. I, I can say since I've been doing all this work, I have days that are more and more free from nice. angst, you know, and, and more about just the absolute joy of being in the day and the moment and the, mm. the friends and uh, mm. the love that's around us. So, mm. uh, you know, it it gets better. <laughs> it gets, mm. you know.
0: hmm Ah, that's good to hear. You know, it's very encouraging to people. You can go have fun, even though there's things inside you that may not be healed. It's okay. There's many aspects of you that are available for a lot of really wonderful things. That's exactly and right. It, it, you have a really amazing uh, collection of spiritual tools, and in the process of writing my book, "Positive Recovery After Abuse and Trauma." I spend a lot of time talking about the clinical part of it, and so forth, and so on, and feel a little sheepish about talking all the spiritual tools that are really available for people. Because of, I don't know, my own scientific bias, you know, against the spiritual aspect of things. Where where actually, I really feel that the spiritual experiences and tools that are available for people to heal are probably more powerful than many of the other techniques and tools. So I don't want to lose out on our remaining time by avoiding these spiritual tools that you bring to the table. So, for example, prayer, law of attraction, law of manifestation, um, the, the work with the chakras, the, the use of uh, interfacing with spirit guides, angels, the use of things such as soul retrieval and soul extraction that are very, that in the shamanic traditions yeah you know, these are spiritually minded tools that actually have a profound impact on an individual even if they don't believe in them because they're nonetheless creating space in the interior of where you live in your inside relationship with yourself that allow a dance and process and emotions to take place that is really robbed by childhood abuse i think that childhood abuse is a way of making people not believe in god because why would god make such horrible things happen like why would god allow trump to hurt so many immigrant children you know it's like why you know where is this intervention from where was my mother where was my father where was god when this was going on it should have been stopped i never should have experienced that and i want to say you're right you shouldn't have you know so then to say, well, forget this. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to connect with angels. This is just all a crock of, you know, how that sentence ends. <laughs> so, well, what are you thinking?
1: Oh, I, you know, I have um, something important to say on that, which uh Spirit told me, and this has been going on for the last few years, that this has been known to me, that we humans, we pick different scenarios to experience here on Earth. And I hate to sound so cold-blooded about it, but that is actually what happens. And, And through these scenarios, you know, there's different paths we can take. There's different ways we can grow. There's different things that we can create. What I found myself at some point asking my guides, am I doing it okay? Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing what you want me to do? And, you know, once again, trying to be the good little girl. And they flat out told me, you know, you don't work for us. We work for you. You're nice. the one who chose to come as a human being, have a difficult life path. We are here working for you. So you tell us what you need and want to experience next, what you need and want in your life, and we'll help you make that happen. So it it was like, oh, cool. So, you know, when I when I tell my clients that, they they're always surprised. What do you mean they work for me? they work for you you're in charge and it's uh empowering for some and 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 so others are scared to death you know to take on that to take their power and have a different experience so but it is the truth uh, the spiritual world is here for our benefit and to help us and as human beings we're here having experiences and creating different energies and creating beauty as much as we're creating ugliness and um, it is. We do have help, and we can ask for a different scenario at any time. I'm tired of the way my life is today. I want to experience something different. Show me how. Help me through that. Help me through that, and it will happen if you listen, if you pay attention, um, and and trust it. So you will come to trust it over a period of time. So I thought that was the most interesting thing. And, you know, as the the beginning of this conversation was about power, personal personal power and regaining that sense of who who am I and I'm in charge of me um, all the way to the very end here. When you're talking about spiritual recoveries and spiritual healings, they are there for us and they, they want us to feel good. You know, they want us to be happy and healthy and loved. And uh, enjoying our experience, so it's it's pretty profound if you can imagine this huge spiritual host. If God, if if you want to say that, you know, is is working for you to 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 become um, this bigger, better soul space. I guess <laughs> is is the best way to say it. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it's an interesting perspective. I'm finding myself uh, debating, uh, debating with you as you say and going, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, how about you know? I'm just finding myself really interacting with many dimensions of it. So very important perspective to kind of come to terms with. Is you work for me, but my my life is like this. Yeah. Well, what am I? What am I doing? You know, I, I think that I'd like to just kind of get your take on the following. I really do believe the law of attraction has what I call the law of attraction shaming. And it's like, yes. Oh, let's just let's just shame everybody who isn't creating what they should be, and it's just you're not using the law of attraction right, and woe as you and I just, I cringe. I just absolutely cringe. I think that the power of the law of attraction is at the moment that an individual says, "Oh, here I am," and in this moment, I'm going to begin to take control, and it's at that moment I'm going to begin to take control that the law of attraction engages. It's a little bit like a the old clutch cars. You know, you engage. You engage the, it in it from parking to drive. You just, you just mm-hmm. At that moment, it's like, okay, now the law of attraction to me, that's when it's engaged because that's when it's called upon. It's when an individual says, oh, I think I'm going to take control of this moment. I'm going to take charge of this moment. I think that's true with children. When they are in an abused situation and they start saying, no, no. I'm going to go tell so-and-so. My teacher said this is wrong. Or I don't believe you that you're going to hurt my mom if I tell her. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, it's when it's at that moment, at that moment, then there's the engagement of the law of attraction or manifestation. But prior to that, I'm going to question people applying that idea that we're, we're in charge of it. I think that there's so much interfacing and interweaving of all of our energies going on that it's the dominant person that says I'm in control of this moment that actually owns the moment and owns all the people in it. Uh, and, and it's when other people in it start saying, no, you don't own me and you're not going to do that. I'm out of here that they ex they exit that, that scenario. Um, it's a dominant energy. It's a dominant energy inside of ourselves. And when we're able to have the dominant energy, not of powerlessness and weak and vulnerable and scared, those are those can be dominant energies, but I'm taking charge and I'm going to stop this and I'm not going to let this occur that's a that's a dominant energy so I'd, that's kind of the way I'm resolving this law of attraction shaming that I see a lot of. What is your reaction?
1: Yeah, pretty much the same as you it's so you know to put it simply, if you want more money in your life and you're wondering why you can't attract it. You know, by and large, there's probably a tape in the background running in your mind that is eroding that. That says, "I don't deserve," or "I'm not worthy," or "What would I do with it?" Uh, kind of thing. And the moment we we take control, we don't even have to know where it came from. The the desire, the the knowledge, the absolute power in taking control that you're talking about will override that but it's getting to that point and understanding that and, um, and yeah, you're still manifesting. I mean, if you're, if you're bringing more things, you're wanting to bring more things to you and they don't seem like they're coming, then pay attention to what is coming. Cause once you can overcome those, you're just going to get stronger and stronger and then boom, mm-hmm. everything belongs to you. So uh, people really, I think, misunderstand that law of attraction. Um, and there is shaming that's going on, which is just, just simply ridiculous uh, but it's it's what we humans do in so many other areas but i i'm with you 100 percent but you're right the moment the moment that decision is made and you feel it on a cellular level in your body to be empowered is the moment that your ability to attract what you want and desire it, then it, it it's like it it manifests before you can even blink your eye mm-hmm. it, and that that's the the kind of psychic physical emotional change that that makes that law manifestation work in in ways that are big and bold and beautiful for others to see even does that make sense? yeah
0: yeah absolutely and so therefore in terms of child abuse recovery one of the things is uh, I am now powerful enough to speak my truth about it and I'm not going to hide it in the dark and I'm going to be more powerful than it by saying by declaring it out by calling it out that's that would be a way of of utilizing that sense of power. Another thing I really, when I work with individuals who have escaped horrible situations is it's very odd, but we go back and we retrieve the strengths that were manifested during the abusive time, the enduring capacity, the surviving capacity and the escape. Because in each of those ways, there's cunning and cleverness at being able to go through those and to finally have escaped. And that. It wasn't just, oh, now I've escaped, now I'm going to find my power. No, there was power in some of those moments that we need to go back and honor, even though they're entangled in this really yucky mesh of junk going on. Um, I think that that has helped a lot of people when they're really young to realize, oh, my little little child was pretty smart, wasn't she? Look how she dissociated, because even that's a power. Or look how she avoided, or look how she hinted, or look how she manipulated, or look how she acted out. Look how all those things have some power, self expression, self rescue embedded in them. And we want those to come back into the whole of who we are. So well, well
1: said. That is mm, absolute truth. And so well said. Mm, thank you. We never were actually powerless, you know, that we. We contain that power. We own it. We belong to it. It is ours. And, mm. you know, it, we claim it in different ways at different times. But mm. it is, you know, acknowledging that, wow, I did have that. I was able to do mm-hmm. that. Look how I survived is huge. It's huge. And it's huge in
0: reexamining the truth of ourselves.
1: So thank mm. you for
0: that. Mm. Mary, we could talk a very long time and help help people understand the, the many, many paths to recovering after abuse and trauma. That's why the book is titled Paths, because everybody is going to have their own path. You know, I can go to work in like 50,000 different ways. I can helicopter in. I could probably do a drone. I could do astral projection. Of course, that's not going to get my body there. I could drive my car. I could jog. I could walk. I could take all sorts of different roads. The idea... Is that from point A to point Z, there's lots of ways to get to point Z. And so in this case, Mm -hmm. Z is recovering from abuse and trauma. And everybody out there, you're going to find your paths. And any given moment, there's going to be information for you. And that's what this program is all about, to give you ideas to... Find out what is your way of coming out of this and really being the you that thrives and transforms. So as we end this amazing conversation with Mary O'Malley, first, Mary, how do people contact you for your healing, for your hypnosis, for your shamanic soul retrieval? How do they contact you? And then what do you want to leave us on in terms of a pissy exit? (laughs) No pressure. <laughs> well, the best
1: way to find me is is on my website, which is Mary maryomaley.com. M A R Y O M A L E Y dot com, and you can see a list of services and and just you know my phone number. What you know, contact me through that. You can make appointment with me. Um, just that you know, Carol, this is so important. Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to go back to that getting things out of the dark and putting them into the light. It, it makes such a difference in how we perceive what happened, how we perceive ourselves. And and you're always so diligent in um, helping people get right to their truth. And, and it's just amazing mm-hmm. having you as a friend and working with you oh, in the past. You. And,
0: wow. Uh, <laughs> thank you for doing this wow.
1: work. Thank you very much. I got to get your book and read it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it's in like its fifth draft, but it's supposed to be launched in September. So that's what we're working on. I just well, uh, what thank you. That's recovery
1: is like. Recovery mm-hmm. is a new draft every day. You know. Oh,
0: well, said. so just
1: get it to some place where you can <laughs> handle it because you'll be revising it by next year.
0: <laughs> that's right. We revived all over. And and you know, folks. Also, Mary O'Malley and I compiled and wrote a book together called Your Soaring Phoenix. And it's an amazing book about spiritual tools, and so we just tapped a little teeny bit into spiritual tools that are available to live an even more transformative life. And we would, I would encourage you to pick that up from Amazon again. That's Your Soaring Phoenix. Mary O'Malley and I wrote in it and compiled it together. It was a wonderful partnership, Mary. Thank you for doing that for me. Thank you for joining the program, and everybody. Oh, you're welcome, everybody. Let's go forward with this day. Bring your classroom of individuals together. Bring your history and the beauty of who you were, even tough times. And um, share it, if you want, with others, but definitely with yourself. Bye.